0: Uh, Hello, and welcome to uh, the latest episode of our Shelf Absorbed podcast. Uh, My name is Ben. And I'm Sergi. And today we are going to be taking you through our selection of uh, books and films around the uh, the general idea of enlightenment. Uh, now, this is something that we, uh, you know, we sort of um, evolved from our last discussion on love, I think. And it's something that we've interpreted in interestingly different ways, I, I think. Don't you? Um, I wouldn't say that. What do you mean? uh well in that um the way that you've interpreted it is, is quite spiritual in a way right okay. uh and uh although there's there's some spiritual elements to mine uh, there's a little bit of sort of a philosophical look at enlightenment i think from my perspective right okay so but i then- guess if you sort of say it in that way yeah that's great yep i i agree <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, we've, this is uh, this is like cards on the table. This is the third time we've recorded this, so we kind of uh, have a little understanding of where where each other have gone with this one. Whereas whereas normally we come in and and, and enlighten each other with our choices, little little joke there for you, just to get us started. Yeah, third time lucky, I hope. Third time lucky, we hope. Um, So without further ado, would you like to uh, sort of... Why don't you give us... so Let's try and contextualise how we interpreted this idea of enlightenment. Because we went through a couple of different ideas, didn't we? And we settled on enlightenment. Why... What did that mean to you? Um, Well, for me, enlightenment is like... Sort
1: of, like you know, as you were saying before, the sort of the spiritual side of life, the way you sort of, kind of, sort of plodding along, um, you're looking for a purpose, um, you're looking for, you know, that golden nugget, that kind of sort of just sort of tells you or gives you a nudge on, you know, what, what is your purpose here on in this life, basically? What is it that you're supposed to be working towards? Um, and it sort of goes bigger than, I'm working towards getting a job or I'm working towards getting that degree. It's kind of like you as an individual, what is it you've been put on this earth to do, be it, you know, um, and you know, I don't think like you know, oh, I'm becoming a priest or whatever, but like we've all got a purpose is what I sort of interpret you know, why we're sort of put on this earth. We're all, we've all kind of got a purpose. And so when we kind of came up with the idea of sort of recording this episode to do with enlightenment, um, the two books that came to mind for me um, were one, um, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, um, which has always been my kind of go-to when I'm feeling stuck, inverted commas. And also Eckhart Tolle, um, who's also who's the writer of um, The Power of Now, which is a book that was gifted to me by my friend Chev. Um,
0: not long after my my late husband passed away.
1: Um, and so, have you heard of either of those books, Ben?
0: Uh, I have heard of both of them, um, uh, but I've not read either of them, so I'm going to be quite interested uh, to hear what you say about them. Shoot.
1: Shoot away. Um, so, so, The Alchemist... Um, I'm sure, a lot of, um, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast today would have heard of The Alchemist. Um, it's a very famous book written by Paulo Coelho. Like I've mentioned, it's sold multiple millions um, of titles across the world. And the story basically goes, it's a story of a, of a boy called Santiago, who's an Andalusian shepherd boy, who sort of dreams of traveling the world in search of treasure. So he goes from Spain and all to Morocco, well, Tangier to, to be precise, um, and then into the desert in Egypt where he meets the alchemist. And the alchemist is a guy who sort of gives him, tells him, he sort of gives him all these various sort of proverbs and verbs, not proverbs, I'd say proverbs. There's sort of like a lot of messages. Like parables. Come, parables, yes, there you go. Parables and quotes have become infamous now. Um, but also, but what, what, so sort of Santiago, Santiago kind of gets out of this A sort of three key thing, three key things are sort of wisdom. Um, the alchemist sort of nudges him to sort of listen to his heart and, and sort of follow your dreams. And like I was saying, there are a lot of parables that kind of come up with it, come out of this story. And I'm going to kind of give you a few of my favourites, if you don't mind. Cool. So, so. I love you because the entire universe conspired to help me find you as one that I absolutely love because I'm a romanticist as well. Of course. Um the simple things are also the most extraordinary things and only the, and only the wise can see them. That's another beauty banger. Mm-hmm. Um remember that whenever you're, wherever your heart is there you will find your treasure. Nice. And another nice beautiful one. Um Don't give in to your fears. If you do, you won't be able to talk to your heart. This is what we call love. When you are loved, you can do anything in creation. And when you are loved, there's no need at all to understand what's happening, because everything happens within you. So the main message is, like I've said, a sort of like the sort of symbolism is sort of like self-development humility the kind of interconnectedness we have as humans together and also kind of the fact that we should sort of value our lives um and also although, like the alchemist offers a very simple message of which is also one of the most profound considerations of life and that through, Cianto, through Santiago's through journey to treasure and love um Poil, 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 Pablo Coelho, um sort of encourages us all to sort of discover our dreams and never give, up, never give up, sort of pursuing them. And also, so yeah, so you kind of like getting the gist of what the alchemist yeah, is about. Yeah,
0: definitely, man. I like. I. I it's Some too... really
1: powerful messages in there, aren't there?
0: Yeah. I. I. Well, I like the idea of it. Of it being parables, man, because that's what we're dealing with here every time we, rec- we record a podcast, right? We're dealing with stories that yeah. have a profound, deeper meaning, more so than just a surface narrative. Yeah. And I love the, you know, the interconnectedness of all things is, is, is a big kind of belief of mine.
1: Yeah, well, as in like things happen for a reason, type thing, or
0: yeah, yeah, or, or just that you know we're all connected. That human beings, we should there should be more empathy in the world. That we yeah. should we should we should treat each other as if we're like one giant organism yeah. experiencing God, reality I wish, like, together. The case? Well, it would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And so, like, kind of, sort of, sort of wrapping up with the, sort of the alchemist. There were like some kind of ten, power, 10 powerful life lessons I felt that I kind of got from the book. And I always sort of kind of, I've jot these down and kind of have them in my journal. I don't journal a lot, I should journal more. But um, sort of the lessons I kind of got from this book. And I guess, like I said at the beginning, like this is also, this has always been my go-to book when I'm feeling stuck. When I'm feeling like I need a bit of a nudge, like, you know, a bit of a direction, like where am I going in life? Um, what's the point? um in this job in this thing not like what's the point in life because that sounds really dire I'm definitely not in a dire situation right now um yeah and so it's it's just it's just a brilliant book and you can kind of I mean I reckon over a span of what 39 years I would have read it over I've read it about 10 times and not the whole thing I mean it's a very easy book it's very short but like I'd say sort of being able to kind of pick up sort of passages and like lines. So, so yeah, so these are some of the most powerful lessons I kind of got from it. So fear is a bigger obstacle than the obstacle itself. Um, b- Break the monotony. I love that.
0: That's a good one.
1: Right? Um, Embrace the present. Like, don't think about the past. Don't think about the future. The past is done. There's nothing you can do to change it. We don't know what's coming up in the future. We have no control over it. We may not even have a tomorrow. So just focus on the now. I. I'm recording this amazing podcast with Ben in front of me. Woohoo! Um, make, you know, make the decision. Like, don't dither. Just make the decision um, based on your gut. Your gut never lies. Listen to her. Be unrealistic. You know, just be unrealistic. Like, things may not go to plan. Um... And that's OK. Um, keep getting back up. Focus on your own journey. Don't worry about the, what the next person's doing. Like sod the person on, sod Instagram, sod Facebook. A lot of the times people are actually sort of faking it, making faking it to make it. And actually the people that are sort of faking on Instagram are pretty miserable. Um, but they're sort of projecting their, their, their misery in a kind of sadistic kind of woo! Um, narcissistic sort of way of like, oh, look at me and my amazing life. Do you know how many people die, actually, a year using these selfie sticks? Sorry, going on this sort of narcissistic (laughs) trail.
0: Is that like a sort of Darwinian thing, do you think, maybe?
1: A lot. I mean, I don't know the exact figure, but there's a lot. So just kind of focus on your own journey. Always take action. So once you're done aiming, pull that trigger and Pow! Get it, take it.
0: Um, so yeah, The Alchemist. Ten life lessons from. Pretty much. What did you think? That sounds awesome, man. There's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff I could benefit from in there. The idea of uh, um, making decisions, like I just had to err uh, and hesitate about even saying that sentence. The idea of of uh, making snap decisions, I think, would be a good one. I'm quite yeah. impulsive, but I also find myself often bogged down with with uh, th- overthinking things and overanalyzing things. Uh, usually they're things that have already happened, though. In the moment, I-, I think I'm pretty good at being impulsive, pretty good at being unrealistic, this kind of goes back to some of the earlier things that we've talked about in, in previous yeah. podcasts, which is nice. The idea of retaining that kind of childlike sense of yeah. awe at the world, you know. In a child, yeah. Don't get bogged down in in the realism of everything, yeah. you know. Uh, go with the moment. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love all those lessons. Yeah. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, like, you know, it's like, you know, when I think about the two books I chose, like The Alchemist and Now the Power, now that I'm just about to discuss, I mean, they're very kind of similar. I mean you know like Eckhart Tolle talks about pretty much like living in the actual present um which is something that we don't do very well we're worrying too much i mean i'm i'm an absolute i love to do lists like i'm constantly doing lists, lists lists of like things i need to do in the future what do i need to do tomorrow where do i where do we, where do we need to book for you know, half-term holidays, constantly thinking about the future. What are we doing next year? I mean, in terms of right now, travel is off the limit, off, off, off the cards. So there's not much of that kind of thing being planned. But I just feel like a lot of the time I am, I'm thinking about the future. And I'm, you know, and then like I try not to regret too much. But, you know, regret obviously comes in stuff that's happened in the past. Um, but so yeah, I'll kind of go into it. But like I think everyone needs to read the power of now. I think if we were sort of more present in what we're doing um, and what's going on around us at this precise moment of time, we would be a lot happier. And that's what Eckhart Tolle talks about. So this book, my friend Chef gave it to me, um, and I found it. I mean, you know, like again, it's it's quite a dense book. There's a lot in it that's condensed in a quite a short sort of book. Um, because there's a lot to take in, so right. if you kind of start to read it and feel like, oh, I'm not sure I'm I'm ready to read this, that's fine. Put it down. There will come a day when you will might read to, need to read the power of now. Until then, you've got Sarah Gonyo about to condense it for you. So there you go. <laughs> nice, aren't you lucky? So a friend of mine gave it to me. Um, I definitely was going through sort of a rough patch. I imagine it was just a grief thing. I was trying to think about it the other day, and so. It's basically, yeah, it's a guide to sort of spiritual enlightenment in a way, but more so about ways in which we as humans can kind of live a better, happier life if we just live in the present a bit more. It's how to live fully in the present. Um, Loving the now basically leads to happiness and enlightenment is what Echo Toll is going, it discusses. Um, You know, our thoughts and emotions get in the way of of our ability to generally live in the present. Therefore, we're never really at peace or happy. Do you, I don't know, what do you think of that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I, well, it can, it, there's, it's like running interference, isn't it, on your happiness, that kind of preoccupation and that kind of anxiety about things that have happened or things that are going to happen. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in touch with all of that.
1: Yeah. And so, like, you know, there's sort of kind of some heavy topics. There's like the source of Chai, Chi, source of Chi, sort of like enlightened relationships. The creative use of the mind, the impermanence, and the sort of the life cycle. See, those are pretty kind of heavy stuff. And I'd imagine that given the year that we've been thrown, we've all been thrown, as much as this book is, would be kind of welcomed, it's, you know, it does cover a lot of heavy things that people probably are thinking, like, I, I just can't deal right now there are also breaks recommended throughout the book um, which is which is really good like I was just saying how it's such a heavy book so like kind of give your chance a chance to mull over a certain section so if it's like you've just read the section of the source of chi, and then enlightenment relationships, maybe just put it down before you start going into sort of the impermanence of the cycle of life. So that's really good. Um, He talks about how we spend too much time worrying about the future or the past, when really we should be focused on what's in front of us, the present. focus on sort of like loving the people are kind of around us, like like we did when we were kids. So, you know, we were talking about kind of our inner child, Ben. So I think you would actually love this book.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: We're still kind of, we talked about how we're still that child. It's just that our vision has been clouded by sort of meetings and phones and appointments and TV and debt and Instagram and all the other crap that we're sort of flood our worlds in. Um, and how our incessant thoughts kind of creates this sort of emotional and sort of mental pain that we just have to, that we all sort of experience at times, and some some of us way more than others. And it's just a fantastic book. I mean, I could sort of, I I wouldn't say the word bore, but I mean, if I sort of tick over and sort of start to sort of really condense those chapters, there'd be no space for you. And I imagine a lot of our
0: listeners would be like, Pfft.
1: so I won't. But so I just that was a kind of like a sort of a snapshot on the power of now
0: yeah good stuff sounds yeah it sounds like two really good choices man um and a lot of things that i can relate to and i'm sure the listeners will relate to as well i hope so yeah what have you got for us any? Um well I have uh some it's some kind of interesting things, like I say, from a slightly very slightly different perspective, but very complementary, I think, to, to the things that you've been talking about, which is nice. Um the first is um so I've been it's interesting that the power of now is about kind of not cluttering your life. I've recently been watching quite a few older movies and you know I know that some people sometimes struggle with older movies and think they're a bit slow because we're used to like the crash bang wallop of of modern MTV frenetically edited uh craziness. Uh I'm looking at you, Michael Bay, you swine. Um uh, and I've been watching quite a few older films and I've been very uh, pleased by some of the responses at some of the screenings of people saying I like how kind of slow slow and quiet it is because it gives me some space to think about what the film is actually saying, which I think is, is, is really good. But it's hard if you've been uh, uh, kind of, um, what's the word? Conditioned, that's the word, conditioned by uh, more contemporary kind of film styles. So I'm going back to the old school because uh, I'm an old fool who's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm looking at some films from the 50s uh, again. Uh, we already did like Harvey from the 50s, we did. which I think is a philosophical masterpiece in many ways. Uh, but for the for this session, I'm going to go uh, a little bit international as well. I would like to talk about The Seventh Seal, which is a very famous film uh, from 1957 by Ingmar Bergman or Berryman I think is, is how the Swedes pronounce it. Um, have you ever heard of this film? No. Ah, uh, have you heard of a film where uh, a guy plays chess with death? No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, there goes my 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 theory that everyone has heard heard of the idea of what this film is about. Um, so, <laughs> The Seventh Seal is uh, a film about uh, a knight, Antonius Block, played by Max von Sydow, mm. who comes back from the Crusades. He's a you know he's been fighting for. God and truth and country and, you know, all those things that he holds dear. He comes home to find that Sweden has been ravaged by the plague. It's just full of plague and death. Uh, So I thought- Sounds like 2020. Yeah, exactly, man. I thought that this is is a a good place to start for for looking for enlightenment in a world ravaged by plague, death, fear, and existential angst. Brilliant, so timely. How about that? Uh, so yeah, uh, basically he arrives back on the shore, and who's there waiting for him? The personification of death, actual death himself. He says, "I've come for you, uh, uh, Antonius Block." Who's grappling with his belief in God? You know, he's got that real real existential angst going on there, which mirrors Ingmar Berman's at the time. You know, yeah. he wrote a, a radio play called. Uh, wood painting and then adapted it into this film uh, himself and it's it's about not only his own transition from uh piety and belief to sort of uh, uh, agnosticism or atheism uh, but the, the, at the same time uh, Sweden was going undergoing this same kind of transition a- as a country you know the 1950s were a time of great change like many places around the world you know world war II's just happened and everyone's like well how could there be a god if if this these horrible horrible things keep happening which you know i guess maybe again a bit timely who knows <laughs> Um, so uh, throughout the film, basically, it, it, it's about him trying to hear the voice of God. Uh, he he, he pr- prolongs his death by playing this game of chess. Uh, with death, and he explores various different uh, scenarios. He, he crosses the country, he meets a bunch of people. Uh, some important characters that I think are worth a mention are um, Joff and his wife Mia and their young baby. Joff personifies exactly what you were just talking about, uh, the childlike uh, sense of wonder at the world. Mm. He has like hallucinations, he, he hallucinates like the Virgin Mary walking through a field mm. um, and he sees other things that other characters don't see throughout the film. But he is really portrayed as one of the happiest characters in the film. Mm. Uh, so I, I would say enlightened in that sense. Uh, he's also, uh, him and his wife are performers. They are artists. And I think that there's an in- interesting message in there, timely again, about when you have these times of great uh, emotional stress and strain, it, the arts are important. Right, and and we—that's something that is being neglected, I think, kind of politically and, and culturally.
1: Well, economically, there's just no money going into the arts. Exactly, exactly. It's an back, absolute
0: travesty. Back in the UK, especially, there's a, there's a huge amount going on there that we won't even really get into. But but it, it seemed to me that that was very timely as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's 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 a fascinating film in that respect. It's very often uh, on polls, like the British Film Institute polls of like uh, critics and directors' favorite films of all time. It comes in the top ten, top five, very very often, uh, and rightly so. It's an absolute classic, and it it's got a sort of unnerving sense to it as well. It it is, I think, uh, one of the. Purest horror films that you could have, because I think all horror films are about us trying to confront death, and this is just about a guy confronting death, or like all the way through. Um, yeah, so so that's that, that's pretty much my summary. That's why I chose it. And uh, what what do you think? Yeah,
1: I quite like it. Again, I mean, I, I'd it's one of those books that I'd films. Sorry, because um, I'm just such a book nerd. That's all I think about books. Um, yeah. Have you?
0: How, how? When was it written? It was uh, well. It was. It was came out in 1957, uh, and I think that uh, a couple of years before he'd written it as a radio play. Yeah. So like that, like that other great philosophical masterpiece, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, oh, which yeah, started like as a radio one. play and, and yeah. then was adapted into a book by Douglas Adams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he wrote it. He sort of quite hurriedly. Uh, rewrote it as a film and shot it uh, yeah. as a film. There's some interesting stories about the production. Uh, like the, the the last scene, for example, the called the Dance Macabre, uh, involves uh, things happening on the horizon right. that this character Joff could see, but no one else can see. Yeah, and they'd run out that some of the actors had gone, so they just got some tourists who were like walking through a field to to be two of the. Characters like in yeah. this faraway scene, yeah, um, uh, similar to something that happened in the Wicker Man as well. Um But yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's 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 kind of low budget. It's real bare bones stuff. Like I say, yeah. it's like a really pure kind of horror film. I think in some ways, even, yeah. even though it's not that scary. Um, apart from maybe philosophically scary, staring into the endless nothingness of the void <laughs> when you don't believe in God. Uh, but you know, that's just my everyday, really. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. I mean, I. I, I'm really, I'm really, I'm, I'm really into the sort of us all, kind of, going back into our inner child mode, um, because I think we, I think we'd all benefit from doing that, wouldn't you?
0: I think so, definitely. Yeah, it'll just make us happier people. Uh, yeah, we talked about this before, didn't we, when we were talking about Little Miss Sunshine and, and, and the message of Proust. Yes. Uh, that, you, that you need to retain that sense of wonder. And you, there's no point going out pursuing fame and celebrity, he said. And no. we sort of equated that to, to social media in, in the modern world. So, yeah. so yeah, we're revisiting. We're, we're hitting some themes up here, man. There we are.
1: What's next? What's the next one you Sort of... Next, uh
0: the next film I want to talk about is uh, a Japanese film uh, called Rashomon, uh, which was made in 1950, directed by Akira Kurosawa, and is again um, is is probably the the most philosophical film that I have selected so far, uh, and and for that reason I think it's quite enlightening. It tells the story. It's again adapted from a from a a, a, a novel um it tells the story of an incident that happens uh, in a grove which is the name of the of the the short story it was uh, adapted from in a grove um where there is an assault and possibly a sexual assault involving um a samurai or a warrior and i like it because he's got these kind of archetypes it's a bit like a fairy tale right. so there's the samurai there's his wife who's like a sort of princess sure. uh, there's the thief um and there's uh, a woodcutter who's looking on, and they all uh, basically that the, we know at the end that the 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 princess the wife is is traumatized. We know that the samurai is dead, but we don't know what happened. So what we get in this sort of courtroom, medieval courtroom, because it's medi- said in medieval times, uh, feudal Japan. Yeah, uh, we get these different accounts of what happened one at a time, and each of them is. Uh, tinged is is affected is biased, um, uh, according to the subjectivity of the person that's retelling the story. Right. So, like the um, uh, the the thief. Is kind of very much uh, discussing how his strength defeats the samurai and his like sexual prowess seduces the princess. Um, uh, there are uh, other accounts of it where he sort of forces himself on her. So there's the kind of potential sexual assault in there. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a there are there's a possibility that the samurai c- c- commits uh, seppuku, you know, that he kills himself. Ooh. So there's all these. The samurai is invested in honor. Uh, the 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 princess is invested in her sort of purity and her. Vulnerability vulnerability in many ways. But they're all exploiting the situation and all telling a a version of reality that benefits them. And I think that's a really interesting thing to bear in mind, when we think about the way that we all experience the world, as much as I said earlier on, that Uh, we're all like it'd be nice to think of ourselves as humanity or like all life even as as existing as a sort of uh, one kind of entity or organism uh, which could sort of uh, work together and understand that it's part of a bigger whole you know Um, but what you have to remember at the same time is that because of the nature of our the construction of our central nervous systems and and the the experiences both cultural and personal that we that we have throughout our lives we all have a different perceptual grid we all construct a different reality tunnel uh, as i think timothy leary used to call it and uh, we all experience the world in a slightly different way and and in order to get along we have to kind of understand that about each other we have to understand that as much as it's nice to think of ourselves as one, we are all kind of individual, separate entities who, who it, it, not only unconsciously experience the world in different ways and unconsciously manipulate our experience of the world, but consciously as well. You know, we 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 twist things to our own advantage quite often, and that's really what this film is about. It it. it it communicates it and represents it in some beautifully poetic ways because it's Japanese and a lot of Japanese art is invested in nature. There's this idea of the the vicissitudes and the changing seasons. There's like beautiful shots of sunlight pouring through trees where you can take that as a metaphor of like the sunlight being the truth and the leaves and the branches being obfuscations of the truth. Nice. Um, there's a lot of, like, dramatic rain, which kind of, like, reminds me of Suva quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's also very interesting the way that he kind of manipulates us, Kurosawa, with the direction. There's a, There's an interesting interplay between long shots, which are traditionally in film... Uh, a way of, of allowing an audience to make its mind up about something because it can see like the whole picture mm. and close-ups and extreme camera angles which are very manipulative uh, emotionally for the viewer. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a fascinating film for all those reasons, I think.
1: You're such a film buff, Ben.
0: <laughs> I love it, man.
1: I'm... Um- what do you? What do you? What are any films you've seen recently? Not necessarily about enlightenment, but just what have what you been watching recently?
0: Oh, I watched um, the, the the Ben Wheatley remake of Rebecca last night, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. In, interesting. Why was um, it interesting? Well, because it's like you, it, it's Alfred Hitchcock made a version in in nineteen forty, and right. you just you just don't go toe to toe with Hitchcock. Okay. But, you know, he's like, oh, I'm adapting the original source material. So the book, Rebecca, uh, Daphne du Maurier, I've not read it, but it's supposed to be very, very good. And this is supposed to be a more faithful adaptation. It allows for a little bit more interest in terms of some queer identities. You know, Mrs. Danvers uh, as a a sort of very sort of like monstrous queer character uh, in it, which couldn't really be done in Hitchcock's time. But because it couldn't be done, he found all these really interesting, poetic, coded ways of representing it. And this was more... Sort of in your face. There's some beautiful cinematography and some beautiful colors. The costumes are all to die for. Okay, really. Um, but for me, it, it's it's just not as good as as the masters. But I, I I watched it the night after I watched the new Adam Sandler film, Hubie Halloween, oh, which yeah, is the most like? singularly unfunny thing I've ever seen yeah, in my imagine. whole life. Um, I'm not a big Adam Sandler fan. No,
1: I'm neither. I
0: like it when he's cast like in in ironically maybe I want to say without sounding too uh, pretentious in films like Uncut Gems or um, Punch Drunk Love with Paul Thomas Anderson which is probably my favourite of his but I don't get along with the whole um, simpleton Billy Madison I've got a really annoying
1: voice yeah
0: yeah so yeah that's that's been that's been this week for me cinematically how about how about you any books uh, been tickling your fancy recently
1: um, What's that yeah. face for? I don't know. It's taking fancy. I didn't know it just, it just where that that's was going. fancy. fancy. Um, so I just, uh, I've read recently Brandon Taylor's um, book, Real Life, um, which has been shortlisted for the Booker Prize, which I think this announcement's announced next month, actually. Woo! Um, that was, yeah, I it was, so it's basically set. Um, college campus, university campus. Um, and the protagonist, Wallace, um, is a PhD student. Um, gay, black guy, really unhappy. And you and you sort of like as the story sort of kind of negates itself. You're basically it's told through his inner monologue, so you're basically in his mind for a lot of the time. So it's you're in his thought process. Um He's really unhappy. His father's just died, and as the story sort of kind of progresses, you sort of start to kind of find out what his what his what's not making him happy. Basically, um, he's got a group of friends who are absolutely. I mean, I I just I loved all of them. Um, they were self centred, sort of like cathartic- self centred, selfish. There's nothing cathartic about it. They were just really annoying, um, and there were like hideous amounts of sort of microaggression racism that goes on throughout the book. And, you know, Wallace is this character who just doesn't really stick up for himself. So I found myself a lot of the time... I mean, I think he stuck up for himself once. I found myself sort of wanting to just kind of get into his inner monologue and just shaking him up. Just like, come on, grow some. Um, Yeah, and so, I mean, the writing is spectacular, right? He's just such a fluid writer, beautiful. For a debut writer, I was just, you know, I was like a standard. Will it work? Will it win? I don't know. I mean, I've I've read this one and there's another one called... um, There's another book called Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart, which from what I've read so far on my Kindle, I absolutely love. 1980s Glasgow set, alcoholic mother, Um, you know, high rise flats, that kind of, you know, there's alcoholism, there's abuse, there's all sorts going on. But it's just told in such a brilliant way. Um, So I've sort of given up reading it on my Kindle because I'm like, no, I've got a hard copy coming from England. Um, winging us all the way from England so I'm really excited about and I'd much prefer to read it as book so I'll let you know how I find that one but I yeah from what I've read so far I love Um, I've also got because I've sort of like I go in and out of sort of like being able to read like and then getting into sort of a reading rut so when I've sort of been in a reading rut I sort of I tend to sort of pick up short stories and so at the moment i can't believe i haven't read this but it has been on my shelf forever it's kiamanda nungozin Ducci's book um the thing around your nick so it's a bunch of like 12 short stories i just thought that would be perfect for me right now and then there's a book that's been sent to me kindly gifted to me by quickest books called dancers on the shore by william melvin kelly and that's also another shauna's short story book that I'm going to be taking away with me this long weekend um but I wanted to give a shout out to anyone that's sort of like looking for kind of shelf what's it it's um so books are on like a men and self-help there's a book there's a group on instagram um called shelf help group um who basically have got a sort of a long list of books for enlightened men and self helpy that you might find useful. Um, and there's also a book that I've not quite read, but I did download on my Kindle the other day, called Wintering by Catherine May, who's based in, um, in Whitstable. And it's basically how shit hit the fan for her and her family a while back. And um, she sort of basically learned how to basically live through the winter. Well, not winter so much, but like living through hard times. And so the book's called Wintering. And it's like how to flourish when life basically freezes. And so given that we, um, some of us are listening to this um, and are going through winter, um, it might be really useful. But also winter being a euphemism for kind of like things are kind of stalled and we're all going to be at home and we're not leaving home very much Um, that that kind of that kind of thing so i think it might be well worth everyone maybe giving wintering a
0: chance yeah, man. Nice. But so back to the seasonal kind of thing that we talked about. I think I would definitely like to borrow the uh, the Adichie book that you mentioned because I really, I've heard her give many talks, but I've never read any of her books. I think I've got Americana somewhere on my shelf. You've uh,
1: never read any of her
0: books? No, no. I've seen uh, the adaptation of The uh, Yellow Sun. Half of the Yellow Half Sun. Half of the Yellow Sun. Absolutely. Brilliant book. Yeah, I've heard that's a great book. And I, and I used to use, she gives a TED Talk called The Dangers of a Single Story, which is fascinating, which is basically saying the same thing as Rashomon says. There's always more than one way to look at the world. It's a fascinating TED Talk. It's like 15 minutes long by Chimamanda and Ngozi Adichie. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel it's a crime that I've never really, I've never read anything by her. In well, I I, mean,
1: I, I mean, I feel like if you've not read anything by her, I mean, you should start from the very beginning like I did. So I, you know, one of my first, one of her first first books I read of hers was, um, *Purple Hibiscus*.
0: Okay, I shall start. And there. then *Half
1: of Yellow Sun*, and then *Americana*, and then I'll give this to you maybe to sort of wrap it up. But she's a fantastic writer, um, and I'm really excited about these short story books. Um, and then, I mean, I've obviously there's lots of other ones I've sort of read recently. Called well, there's one called *Luster*, which I'm actually going to go home. And write a review about because it's i read it last week um i lost sleep over it because it's just that damn good um but i'm trying you know it's there's there's one thing reading a book ben and there's another there's another thing figuring out a way to sort of talk about it especially when it's been such a great book i always sort of struggle writing review of books that are so good because you'll never do it that just you don't you'll never do it justice you don't want to give away too many spoilers mm. because the spoilers are actually well, but the thing is, the things that you've loved most about the book, as what's going to be like, kind of giving away the sort of spoilers. Um, so that's what I'm going to be doing. What are, What are you doing after this?
0: Um, well, I, uh, I I am going to be hosting a, a pub quiz night tonight, which I'm going to, which you will be going to, and I'm not giving you any spoilers on that either. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I think I think we're hitting like a nice kind of rhythm at the moment we've we're wrapping up a little quicker than than the last couple we're under 40 minutes so I think we've given a real good snapshot and flavor of the books and films we haven't given away too many spoilers we've infused so yeah I think I think our style is evolving a little bit but it, it is tricky isn't it trying to figure out what to say and and how to couch it and, and how to not give away too much so yeah uh well I think we're doing well I, I, I enjoyed that one I did too. Oh. Okay, well, I think we can consider that shelf absorbed
1: now. That's a wrap up. Yeah.
0: And we'll, Third time uh, lucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like all the levels are good and blah, blah, blah. Now I'm wittering. I'll probably cut all this off. Uh, so uh, until next time. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you and goodbye. Bye.